Welcome to Between the Headphones, a Georgia sports podcast. I'm Owen Warden, the sports editor at the Red and Black, and your host for this podcast series. Each week, I'll talk to Red and Black sports reporters to get the pulse of UG Athletics straight from the source. This week, we'll start wrapping up the football regular season by talking about key departures for the draft and the transfer portal, who might be returning, and why that matters. For this episode, I'll be joined by Red and Black assistant sports editor Bo Underwood and former sports editor and podcast editor John James. Up first, Bo and I will discuss the offensive departures and key returns. Welcome to the show, Bo. It's good to be back, Owen. Yeah, yeah it's, it's great to get this thing rolling under new management. Good to get the old guy out of here. Um, but let's let's first and just discuss the biggest return. Um, somehow that's bigger than the, the biggest guy leaving this team. Carson Beck's back. He's back for another year. He's back for his senior, redshirt senior season. What does his return do for this offense going into next year? It, it does a lot. It's huge. It's it's everything for this offense. Um, anytime you're able to bring back a veteran quarterback, it just provides so much stability for the rest of the offense and the team as a whole. Or as a whole. Um, yeah, I mean, quarterback is the most important position in football. Georgia happens to have a very good one. Them not needing to replace their quarterback or their play caller this offseason is a really big plus and kind of rare for a team that is was as good as Georgia was. Um, it allows the offense to just move at a much smoother pace throughout the spring camp and then the rest of the offseason because, you know, last year there were a ton of questions entering the spring about Carson Beck coming in or at that point he hadn't been named the starter or how Mike Bobo would do as the offensive coordinator and all that. And, you know, there won't be any of that this year because Georgia already has those two guys intact um, and they've already proven themselves to be a really good pairing for this team. Yeah, uh, I think – Carson Beck just being back on this football team is obviously something that you love. We saw how much confidence it gave this team when Stetson Bennett was coming back as the team's quarterback. Um, it's just one of those things that you don't have to worry about what a Brock Vandegrift could do as the starter or a, or even a Gunnar Stockton has to do as a starter going into his third mm-hmm. season um, with not a lot of just playing experience in general. You don't got to worry about putting a true freshman in there. Like It's, it's easy because Beck's your guy. And yeah. because Beck's your guy, you also know that a guy like Gunnar Stockton, who played pretty well against Florida State in the Orange Bowl, against not their top talent, but still. Um, he was out there. He was out there, you know, and Stockton played well. So um, it's just one of those things that I think it helps their room as a whole, especially because so many guys are leaving, especially at the that wide receiver position or just that pass catcher position in general. Three different guys, Ladd McConkey, Brock Bowers, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint. They're all off to the NFL. Plenty of other guys are off to the transfer portal, but those are kind of the main three to keep an eye on. You know, what does it mean to lose those guys like that? And who do you think steps up to fill the role, those massive shoes? Yeah, um, I, it's always tough to replace talent like that. Um, there hasn't been a tight end like Brock Bowers really ever. Um, I hardly, you can, I hardly even consider him a tight end just because he's such a unique player and a unique talent. Um, you really can't replace a guy like that as much as you have to spread the, the wealth elsewhere. Um, as much as I really like Oscar Dell, Lawson Lucky, and even Peter Sperlin, none of those guys are the same type of player. Um, but, you know, they will be counting on to sort of step up. And, you know, the, the tight end position for Georgia is going to look very different in 2024 just because there's not a, you know, once-in-a-generation unicorn back there. Um, losing McConkey also stings, you know, that kind of burst and ability to just get open, especially in the intermediate areas of the field. That's really rare, and, you know, that's a huge boon for Georgia's offense when McConkey was out there. 
And then Marcus shows me Jack Saint, I think, is going to go down as one of the most underappreciated Georgia players of all time. Um, everything he did as a blocker in the run game was just so important, so paramount to this team. And he also probably had the best, or at least just the most consistent hands on the team. Um, to become the player uh, and the leader that he became after that nasty injury that he had against Florida in his first ever touchdown, pretty incredible, great career. Um, Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint is a DGD through and through. Um, I think filling his shoes will be a little bit easier, though, than the other two guys just because they already have similar players on the roster who probably have more natural talent than Jack Saint it, uh, ever did. One of those guys is Ra Ra Thomas. I think he can needs to really just take over and assume that full-time X role and become that you know steady presence that Jack Saint was. He has the same frame virtually, and he can become that guy, especially if he improves as a blocker. I could also see Colby Young entering that role, the Miami transfer, because he's also that kind of big player. Um, in terms of replacing McConkey, that's a little harder, but there are guys on the team like Dylan Bell and Anthony Evans who are similar athletes, kind of have that same explosiveness. I think Dylan Bell is due for a huge year. Um, London Humphreys, the Vanderbilt transfer, has a lot of the same explosiveness, and he might even have more long speed than McConkey did, which is a fun thing to think about when you think about how he fits into this offense. Yeah, I mean, he's overall just longer than McConkey. I mean, yeah. McConkey stands about, what, 5'11", 6 foot, yeah, and 5 foot something. And then Humphreys is 6'4". Um, so that dude is tall in general, but has that kind of speed and burst that McConkey really demonstrated, um, which is just really fun. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think George is, you know, again, you mentioned Colby Young. You mentioned Ra Ra. I think those guys are, are guys to keep an eye on, especially what could happen. I think Dominic Lovett is is, mm-hmm. is primed to be at least, a, again, a contributor again this year yeah. uh, in some sort of way. Um, I know they brought in Michael Jackson the third from USC. I'm not expecting much <laughs> from him. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those things that we'll have to see. But Dylan Bell is the biggest name I'm looking out for, and I think that's yeah. going to be a fun one, like you said. Um, but the offense is losing also pieces in their running back room. Um, and, you know, they might still add more pieces um, depending on what happens with the Alabama situation. But as of right now, you know, both Kendall Milton, both Dejon Edwards are out the door. You know, what's kind of the plan on, you know, who's going to step up and replace their production, especially for a guy that won the Orange Bowl MVP? I'm honestly more excited about this running back group than I was about the one from last year. It was interesting um because of one man i i i really like trevor etienne i've i've been a trevor etienne guy since he got to florida um he has the ideal running back frame that you want he has great speed he has great contact balance he's he's a fizz he finishes runs really nicely um i think he has the talent to emerge as the main guy in this backfield um but if he doesn't you have both of the robinsons roderick and branson who are both exceptional north-south bruiser-type guys. I worry they're a little bit too one-dimensional. I don't think they offer much else beyond that. Um, and you also have to factor in Branson's recovery from that injury. But nevertheless, I do expect them to both be active participants in the backfield. Andrew Paul is also due for an increase in production. Um, so I hope uh, hope we can see him out there more than he's been. And then I'm excited to see how Nate Frazier's career plays out, obviously. Um just because his high school tape is unreal. Um, but I doubt he plays much as a freshman just because that's not really how things tend to go in, at, at Georgia. But, um, yeah, I, I think there are a lot of really talented guys. The return of Branson Robinson is a much bigger deal, I think, than it's being made out to be. 
Um, and Trevor Etienne could ha- has the chance to to be, to be a star in this offense. Yeah, and Trevor Etienne is one of those guys that I feel like Florida almost found a way to underutilize a guy like that because of how mm-hmm. dynamic he is as a pass catcher as well. Yeah, he only I think he caught, only like, had like, tw- he caught like twenty balls last year. Yeah, should have like, been way more. That should have yeah. been way more. That's a guy that I think could do way more with that. And you know his catching ability, I think a should be something Georgia definitely mm-hmm. focuses on utilizing. But is also maybe run one of the reason why Nate Frazier might not see the field as much because right. I don't know if you saw that clip from like the All American Bowl. Um, but that dude ran just a basic running back like oh yeah route where he and just cribbed it just cribbed yeah. it like it was it was such a good yeah. play like that that's a dude that's gonna be a lot more fun to talk about you know two years down the line than next year yeah um just or be- even one year man Nate Frazier's really good no he is very good and you know nothing against Chauncey Bowens or um yeah. Dwight Phillips Jr. I mean those Dwight Phillips Jr. can fly mm-hmm. but um. I, I don't know if necessarily yeah. those guys see a lot of run because I, I'm i still really high on Roderick. I think he's a good between-the-tackles runner that yeah. can do a lot of the things that Kendall did well in spurts um, before he had his breakout this season. Um, it's just one of those things that uh, I think it's going to be a talented backfield. I know there's some rumors about Justice Haynes maybe entering the portal. You know, he's a UGA legacy. I'm not going to put that, spec- that speculation on that. Um, because we know who's in the backfield right now, and I think it's a, I think it's a good group of guys. Um, the only one that I'm not sure if he's going to be on this roster is Andrew Paul. I mean, that's going to be something that yeah, when we it's, get to, it's hard to find where he fits. It's hard, it's when you think about it, really, and and it's tough because you I, I work because that's a guy I do like. I think he's a talented guy, but I mean, when you're dealing with injuries like that, and then yeah. you know, I mean, so many other guys kind of supplant you. I mean, we saw Roderick supplanted him in the Orange Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, Branson was going to supplant going to be that third running back that. Um, you know, he's going to kind of take the the third running back role over since, uh, you know, Kenny McIntosh left. That was his plan, I, I assume. And, you know, he didn't get to do that because that injury. So, and now you bring in Trevor Etienne, you bring in some talented freshmen. I worry about Andrew Paul being around. But if he is around, expect another dynamic pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, but mm-hmm. um, that's kind of a lot of the main guys heading to the, the, the draft, except for two. Cedric Van Pran, Amarius Mims, two offensive linemen. That's your center. That's your right tackle. They're off to the NFL. But Tay Ratledge and Xavier Truss are returning. You know, what does, you know, you're losing your center, you're losing your right tackle, but you're gaining your right guard and your flexible left guard Mm -hmm. right tackle. What does that loss and that gain kind of mean for this offense going forward? Yeah, I mean, they're they're both big losses. Um, I'll start with Van Pran just because – I don't think it's unreasonable to say Cedric Van Pran is a bigger loss for this team than Brock Bowers. Um, I mean, started, what, 44-something games in a row, um, team captain, unquestionable, like, biggest leader on the team. So his impact on the locker room just can't be understated. Um, I, th- this it, It's going to be weird not having him there because he's been such a just presence on this team, and he's also just a phenomenal player in general. Um but having Ratledge and Truss coming back to shore up that interior line is going to be huge, and it's really going to, I think, mitigate some of the losses that will will happen from Van Pran not being there. Um, but I do feel good about Jared Wilson. Um, he's already got plenty of experience with the starters, and I think you can pretty much slide him right into that center spot and feel pretty good about it, which, you know, no doubt in my mind, that's what they'll end up doing. Um Replacing Mims is super tough because, I mean, that's a one-of-one talent, one-of-one athlete. Marius Mims is just an absolute specimen. Um, If they want to put the most experienced guy out there to start, I guess it would be, like, Chad Lindbergh. 
Um, but you know, you also have Bo Hewley and Monroe Fre- uh, Monroe Freeling as candidates for the job. So I think right tackle is probably going to be the most interesting position to look for in the spring because there's not really like a bona fide starter you can pencil in there right now, but it, it will be something to look out for. Yeah, I think it's one of those interesting things because Trust started at right tackle in the Orange Bowl. Yeah, you know, but he did. started at left guard early in the year. So like, it's one of those things of where do you put Trust? Because I feel like yeah. you, because he's got so much experience and he's he's at least a starter. You know, I mm-hmm. mean. It's kind of like War- like what Warren McClendon was like a couple years ago in, in the yeah. way that like he was a solid starter. He was never going to be anything crazy for you, but he was always that dude that like you were like, he's not going to let us down. Yeah. So honestly, my question is like, because I think you got two guys. I think you got Dylan Fairchild that left guard that could start if need be. Absolutely. And I, yeah. think, and I think you got Monroe Freeling that has a good chance of starting at right tackle if need be. I mean, that was their next guy up once Xavier went down mm-hmm. in the Vanderbilt game. Who would like? Who do you think should, or who would you rather see find that spot in the lineup? I think assuming, assuming trust stays at left guard, I think the guy that that me that personally I would put out there it would be Freeling. Mm-hmm. I think I ju- I think he offers the most upside as a as a talent. Um, he's he's played well when he's been out there already as a young guy. So, I think I like Monroe Freeling. Um, I. I Trust it could just they could just end up putting trust at, at right tackle, and then everything else gets kind of weird. But assuming they don't do that, um, I think Freeling is kind of the guy. Bo Healy's a little too green for my taste. Um, but Freeling I think is is the guy there. I would say I, I agree with that. I think Healy's got about another year yeah. uh, of development he needs to take, which that's for all offensive linemen. Um, and I would assume they kind of take that um that Fairchild and um, Michael Morris, I think those guys mm-hmm. rotate in at guard. They you definitely, know? And, yeah. I forgot, and, damn, I forgot about Michael and Morris. Then, and then Michael Morris, I also think, probably gets some tackle reps too. He, t- he took Yeah, some, he did take some tackle reps. That's uh, interesting. Against Florida State. Yeah, Michael he, Morris could also just be another chess piece if they just move around on that yeah, other line. He, he could be kind of the next uh, Georgia, Xavier Truss. So. Georgia loves their just versatile guard tackle hybrids. Yeah, well, now they brought in what, like, not they brought in five offensive linemen, none of them shorter than six five. Man, they, they had Blasgate playing everywhere. That's probably why I transferred. He was tired of playing in every single position on offensive line. Probably, but speaking of transfers, Georgia did lose some guys. Blasky uh, being being one of them, lost a couple receivers, you know, Jackson Meeks, uh, you know, Denylon Morset. They lost a freshman offensive lineman, Josh Miller. Um, didn't see the field much. Makai Muse yes. leaves the team. Um, C.J. Smith leaves the team. A um, lot of offensive guys that end up kind of moving on. Um, Brock Vandegrift heading to Kentucky to be their mm-hmm. starting quarterback next season. So I just named a bunch of guys. But, Bo, give me who you think is going to be the most successful at their new destination out of all these guys that are leaving Georgia's offense for a new team. Well, the easy answer is definitely Vandegrift because Vandegrift is a you know decorated high school quarterback was a backup here for a long time. Now he's going to go get a shot at Kentucky, and I do think he'll play well. Um, but it's too easy to just say the quarterback because, of course, of course the quarter. I mean, that's kind of a given, you know, the quarterback is going to be the most talked-about guy. I think the guy that I'm rooting for the most personally is C.J. Smith. Um, I was always kind of waiting for him to catch on at Georgia. Unfortunately, he never really did. Um, but he has, like, blazing speed. He can fly. I think he's like 6'3", 190, so he's got a good build. Um, if he develops as a route runner, I think he could be really good at Purdue. And then also speaking of Purdue, I really hope Nyland Green balls out because I remember when he was in high school, 
I convinced himself he was he I convinced myself he was gonna be like Darrell Revis. He has he like he had the most insane ball skills that I had ever seen. I was like, this guy's gonna come to Georgia and just get ten interceptions a year. But unfortunately it didn't work out like that. But um all those guys who went to Purdue, I hope I hope they do really well. Yeah. And I think they will. Yeah, four total guys to Purdue. Yeah. I mean what's up with that? I, I don't really like There are like no ties there. That just happened. <laughs> no, it's so weird that just so many and and we'll probably talk about guys like Nyland um a little bit more when John hops on the mm-hmm. show. But like I, I think it's so interesting, but there was another kind of pipeline that happened, um, and that was to Syracuse. Syracuse and that's yeah. where that's I, where Fran went. That's where that's where former defensive backs coach Fran Brown went, uh, and he brought some guys with him, um, Jackson Meeks and, and Joshua Miller, as I said. But I'm really excited to see what Zeed Haynes does there. Yeah. Um, that was a guy that I was really excited coming into this year. He dealt with some training camp injuries, mm-hmm. and it kind of hurt his ability to see the field a lot more. Instead, Anthony Evans was kind of that freshman that find the that found the field. We'll see what Tyler Williams does, but. Z Haynes is a guy I really like. I really liked his tape when he was um, heading out of uh, Pennsylvania, and that's a dude I'm really excited to see in the Orange. You know, that's a guy that I think could be really talented. And overall, you know, it's one of those things that Georgia's receiving room, even though it wasn't necessarily like had a ton of elite players, just had a ton of players. So some guys just didn't get reps. Guys like C.J. Smith, guys like Z Haynes, I think those are the type of guys that now they're that they're going to get an opportunity. I'm excited to see what they can do with it. Mm-hmm. But Overall, that's everything, but thank you so much for coming on the show, Bill. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Owen, as always. Now, we welcome back John James to discuss the defensive returnees, transfers, and NFL draft additions. John, welcome to the show. Always happy to be here, Owen. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great to have you on as a guest for the first time since you've you've moved over roles. But, you know, before we get too sappy about it, let's hop in right into it. There were some pretty big departures, especially from the secondary. Kamari Lasseter, Javon Bullard, Tyke Smith, all guys that made up one of the best secondaries in college football. You know, what is Georgia losing with those three, and how do they fill those needs in? Well, yeah, first and foremost, that was like the strength of the team last year. They gave up a bunch of rushing yards throughout the year, and that was one of our concerns about the defense. But whenever they, whenever that secondary was asked to go to work, they went to work. They locked down the opposing pass, the opposing passing game, and without them, they're going to have to find some guys to step up, which is, we'll get into this later, which is made more difficult by some of the departures that they've had. Uh, so that, that was the strength of this defense, and without that strength, they're going to have to see what that defense looks like next year. Yeah, now thankfully for them, for this defense, they have Malachi Starks coming back, the literal, in my opinion, best safety in college football. Um, they've got former five-star Janelle Guerrero in the rotation as well. They've got five-star K.J. Bolden coming to town. And as of right now, according to 247 Sports, uh, Caleb Downs currently projected to transfer to Georgia. That makes all three of not only the number one safeties in all the cla- and, and the 2022, 2023, and 2024 classes, that's also all Georgia safeties all possibly going to be starting for this team alongside Janela Guerrero, uh, David Daniel, Dan Jackson for his 100th season, um, all making impact. So they've got returnees thankfully but I mean still that's a lot of guys to lose um but at the very least they did bring guys like Julian Humphrey back in yeah uh the cornerback situation is a little more nebulous just because like you as as many good safeties as are are or could be on this team 
we just don't know about the cornerback situation. I have faith that Georgia will figure that out because they have figured that out for the past few years. They've had a bunch of really talented corners that come through here, so I've got no doubts about that secondary. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the potential Dalen Everett-Julian Humphrey pairing, especially after a year. We saw what a year did at Kamari Lassiter. Dalen Everett feels like a similar type of player to Kamari. I think he could take a similar jump, and that, that could be a fun thing for this Georgia defense, especially if Dalen does take that jump and Julian does continue on the progress that we saw before we got hurt in the regular season. Yeah, in this past offseason, we were maybe talking about Georgia possibly moving on from Kamari as that first cornerback up, and then he had the season of his life. He Honestly, I think he was better than Keely Ringo was when he was the CB1 at Georgia. Oh, I agree. So, so I have no idea what's going to come out of this offseason, but I, I, I have a feeling it's going to be good. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I still think the secondary is going to be really good. Maybe it's anchored by that safety unit, considering what kind of talent they could have out there. It could just be a bunch of five stars playing football. Um, but I guess you could just say that about the entire Georgia lineup. Now, as you said, the run defense was a little bit suspect, you know, and, and Zion Logue, who maybe wasn't perfect this year, is moving on. But two of the guys that I think were probably Georgia's best defensive linemen uh, and Warren Brinson and Nazir Stackhouse return. Um, what do their returns kind of say and, and do for this defensive line that had some issues last season? I think it's just a level of continuity that some other parts of the defense might not have with those departures that are moving on. These guys are coming back. They're the most experienced people on the team. They've been to multiple national championships. They've won multiple national championships. They know what it takes to win, and they know what the standard of that Georgia defensive line is. And they can help that future of the defense, Michael Williams, maybe a Kristen Miller, continue to push forward for the standard of Georgia football. Yeah, definitely. And it's one of those things that I know depth was possibly going to be a concern for that unit. And, you know, now instead of having to possibly worry about Jordan Hall, a uh, second-year defensive lineman, or even Jamal Jarrett having to step up at those D-tackle and nose-tackle positions, you get a guy that almost returned to a, a – interception for an inter, uh, for a touchdown in the Zier Stackhouse and a guy that in his own right is a pretty good nose tackle got stood up a little bit against Alabama but that's something for him to work on and Warren Brinson I feel like was one of the few guys on the interior actually getting consistent pressure um, if both those guys can take another step up in their like fifth seasons I think that could be a really big boon for this Georgia defensive line and for a guy like Smile Munden, who's also returning. Yeah, and especially because we know that Kirby likes to rotate defensive linemen along that front. He likes to keep his guys fresh. He likes to get new guys in the game, get them experience. So having just two more pieces that have been here forever, that, that adds a lot to the defense. I agree. Um, and again, uh, it, for guys like Munden who are returning, that's got to be a massive thing for him. For guys like C.J. Allen, for Raylan Wilson, um, for, for new addition, uh, addition Justin Williams, um, that the five-star freshman uh, that's coming in. Um, but Smile Munden returning to this team, um, I think, is something that maybe people haven't talked about enough simply for the fact that he was one of the first guys to announce. He kind of announced like right before Beck did, and so obviously he was washed out almost immediately. What does his return kind of do, especially... Georgia also lost a lot of linebackers this offseason, too. Yeah, Georgia was bleeding linebackers like nobody's business. They were losing Xavier Sori and Jamon Dimas Johnson, who were, like, crucial to that interior last year. And now it's just Smile. It's, they're going to have to rely on Jalen Walker. They're going to have to rely on C.J. Allen. So Smile coming back is like he and Jamon were kind of the heart of that 
interior of the defense in the 2022 national championship season. Smile coming back adds to that continuity I was talking about earlier. And it just adds another experienced voice in the interior of that defense where some guys like Jamie Walker and CJ Allen haven't had that experience like Smile. Exactly. I, I think that's another guy that could possibly take up another step this year. If he came out, I still think he could have been one of the better linebackers in this draft class already um, compared to guys like Jeremiah Trotter out of Clemson. But the fact that he's coming back means you're getting an athletic player with a full season, hopefully a, a more healthy season than he than he had. But just having leadership, I mean, he is going to literally be the oldest player in that room. He's the only senior um, there. Jalen Walker is the only third-year in that room like it's a young linebacker room so having one guy with experience to be able to help kind of bridge that gap between those younger guys instead of cj having to find a way to make plays in the sec championship i help i think it helps those guys along it helps justin williams and the and chris cole and these other freshmen that are coming into the team come along smile is a massive grab for the for for georgia and even though they're losing guys like jamon guys like Xavier, i think the by bringing in and retaining Smile, it's really helpful. But Jamon Dumas Johnson, I, I still feel like, is one of the more surprising moves just because on paper we think, you know, he started in 2022. He started again this year. Only reason he lost a spot was because of a broken arm, and yet he transfers to Kentucky. John, what do you think really prompted that move, and how are the Bulldogs even going to survive, you know, without Jamon Dumas Johnson in the middle? Because without him at the Alabama game, it looked a little rough. Yeah, it did look a little rough. Uh, it's no secret that Jamon's performance in coverage was kind of trending downward through the later stages of the season, and then he got injured. And then C.J. Allen came in, and he was another freshman phenom for Georgia, kind of like Michael Williams and Malachi Starks the year before, where it was just like clear that this guy was ready to play, ready to have serious snaps. And so Jamon's role could have kind of been reduced this year. I think he saw the writing on the wall. I think he wanted to have a bigger role somewhere else. And he's going to get that bigger role somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, I think it is one of the more for, the more interesting things in the offseason that the fact that Kentucky got leaders on both sides of the ball, both from Georgia. You know, they got a new they got a new um, play caller, not play caller. They got a new um, man to, to to run the the show on offense and Brock Vandegrift, and now they got a man in the middle on defense and Jamon Dumas Johnson, and that dude's a leader. I mean, you talk to anybody on that team, they expressed how much and how important his leadership capabilities were even more than his play would be at times so that's definitely a tough loss and they're gonna have to figure out a way to to kind of repair that and, and find a way for some of these younger guys to start demonstrating some of that leadership that pop had yeah, and whenever you talk to Kirby about Kentucky, he's talking about the physicality of the team. He's talking about how they like to hit you, how they like to establish their will at the point of attack. And Jamon, it's like, that is the archetype. That is exactly what you think of when you think of Jamon Dumas Johnson. So I think it's a great fit for him, and I hope he, prefer, he, I hope he plays well. Yeah, I, I hope he does too. It, it'd, be, it'd be good to see him, you know, go out with his final season on top and Maybe not necessarily with in the in-season success, but for him to find a, a much better role and to be able to lead that Kentucky defense to maybe some more success um, before they host Georgia um, next season. But 
continuing on that transfer portal cycle, there were a lot of defensive players that ended up entering. I mean, you look at smaller guys like C.J. Madden heading to joining the Absolute Cavalcade out in Purdue, Jonathan Jefferson heading out to SMU, the defensive lineman, E.J. Lightsey staying in state, going to Georgia Tech. That was kind of a trend from last year. Um, plus, Xavier Sori, like we talked about, he's off to Arkansas amidst a bunch of others. John, who was one of those guys that maybe stung for you the most, that really hurt your heart to see leave this program? I'll give you two guys, and I think it's not just me that they're stinging. I think it's Georgia they're stinging as a whole. I think A.J. Harris and Nyland Green leaving is a big blow to the secondary, especially as they're losing guys like Tyke Smith, like Javon Bullard, like Kamari Lasseter. It's just the depth of that secondary is going to be tested, and we've seen in- injuries happen in football. You know they're going to happen, so if people start to go down in that secondary, you're starting to rely on younger and younger players. You're starting to rely on more untested pieces. And that might prove problematic for Georgia as they get later in the season. I think as you want as much depth as you can on defense just because that the wear and tear of football is going to happen over the course of the season. I think losing A.J. Harris and Nylon Green, some of the more uh, experienced players on that defense, some of the guys who got more reps last season, I think that's going to hurt as they get further into the year. Yeah, I, I agree. You, you don't have to look too far for when you start hitting those true freshmen, right? You, you've got your top two guys, I think, relatively kind of established on who's who it's going to be. you got Dalen, you got Julian Humphrey. Both those guys kind of earned starting spots last season, and I expect that to continue going into this year. And then you've got Daniel Harris, right, who, who is going into his second year. You know, he's one of the – he's like, what, the second technical oldest cornerback on the team um, – got a start against Florida State opposite of uh, Dalen and Kamari a little bit. Um, less of start, more of he got a lot of playing time in that game uh, pretty early. Um, that's your number three. Then you get to Ellis Robinson. And Ellis Robinson is a guy a lot of people are high on. I'm very high on him. Um, I believe he's one of, if not the highest cornerback recruit that we've seen within the past decade. Um, so maybe you're more okay with seeing that guy uh, possibly get a start. Maybe he can even work his way up to third on the depth chart. But then you go to DeMello Jones, you go to Andre Evans, and that's it. You're kind of running out of guys to put at corner until you start hitting, you know, walk-ons and stuff like that. And I mean, that's kind of a scary thing for them to have to hit on. I mean, to lose a guy with such an experience like Nyland Green to where else but Purdue, um, and to lose a guy like A.J. Harris, such a young player that would be nice to have a former five-star, a guy that you particularly really high on. So I know that probably stings a little bit more. Um, so it's just one of those things that it's brutal to lose corners like that. Yeah, and if you lose corners like that, they might find Georgia might find themselves trying to experiment with more heavy safety looks. They might try to run more base defense a lot. They might try to reduce the amount of pressure that they poured on those corners that are on the field. Regardless, I think it's it's going to play a part next season. Yeah, it, it's harder to move a guy like Kamari into the star role against teams like Missouri uh, when you don't have as as good of depth. When when Julian Humphrey is instead of your third, he's your second corner, and you don't really have many guys below him. Um, a guy I did want to mention, though, I think Marvin Jones Jr. is a tough loss, um, especially because of also how thin that edge room is. Um, again, it's a lot of it's Chaz Chambliss, your fourth year, and then it's a lot of second years, and it's a lot, and it's one freshman. Um, and then I guess Jalen Walker and, you know, um, poss- I know Michael Williams might play there this year, um, but they're going to have they're having to get creative at the edge position because of how thin it is. And losing a guy like Marvin Jones, 
especially, again, another five-star player to a team in Florida State is tough, and and I think that's going to hurt them going forward. Yeah, last year Georgia did a lot of moving around those linebacker pieces where they lined up on the defense. Smile played on the edge a little bit. Jalen Walker played on the edge a little bit. I think that's going to be another a trend that we continue to see this year, and uh, I don't know how it's going to go, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it'll be curious. I think Jalen will probably still be fine. He was probably Georgia's best edge rusher towards uh, towards the end of that stretch uh, last year, but I know they also want to play him a lot more inside linebacker, so we'll have to see how that goes. We'll have to see which guys can kind of step up if those Damon Wilsons, if those Samuel M. Pembas uh, can really step up and, and play well, but I think that'll, that'll be a wait and see, but Obviously, you know, just as a final question, you know, to wrap this up, a lot of transfer portal guys, who do you think ends up finding the most amount of success at their new destination? Bo avoided the easy answer in his question. I'm not going to avoid the easy answer. I think Jamon Dumas Johnson is going to do really good at Kentucky. Last season, it wasn't like he was bad. He was still a good player. It was just he trended downward in coverage a little bit, and then he got injured, and CJ Allen stepped up, and he played really well. I think this year at Kentucky, Jamon has a chance to prove, hey, I've still got it. I am still an NFL draft caliber player like he was in 2022, like he was in the early parts of last season, and I think he's going to step up to the task, and I think he's going to show a lot of people what he can do. Yeah, I I think you hit it right on the head there. Um, I will give two more names. Um, I I really am excited to see what A.J. Harris can do with the Nittany Lions. They always seem to do good things with corners. Kalen King um, obviously being the – current example of who's going to go in but obviously Joey Porter Jr. we saw what he did in the NFL this year Um, so I I think AJ Harris heading to Penn State is still a good destination for a a physical guy whether he stays at corner or moves to safety I think he'll be a beneficial player for them but another name to keep an eye on Darius Smith that's a really athletic dude he's 6'5 crazy long arms good burst guy that it was just never really able to find his spot with Georgia I mean, it's a little harder because Missouri did just lose their defensive coordinator, but if they can kind of continue the defensive success that they had last year with whoever they bring in the door, I think Darius Smith could be in for a nice little development or breakout with Missouri coming off that edge, especially with how well that team did this year, as, as you know better than most people. Absolutely. Um, I think Georgia defenders are, have been Georgia defenders for a reason. It's because they're really talented guys that are recruited highly, and I think they're going to succeed pretty much no matter where they go. Yeah. Well, couldn't have said it better myself. Well, John, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. But either way, thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Between the Headphones. I'm Owen Warden. You can find more episodes wherever you get your podcasts and at redandblack.com. For even more Georgia sports coverage, visit redandblack.com sports. See it up between the headphones again 